0: You will Save Generation X, is filmed before a live studio audience.
1: Ready? See if you can identify these five clips in the order that they are played. It could be from a song, a movie, a TV show, or something else. But if it's coming from this podcast, then you know that it's from Generation X. If our guest gets it wrong on the show, then I'll explain how you can enter to win a fabulous prize package. Listen closely. Good luck!
0: And so the conversation turned Until the sun went down You do!
1: I don't! You do! I don't! You don't! I do! You don't! I do! It does a body good! Pass it on!
0: We do not follow maps to buried treasure and X never, ever marks the spot. <laughs>
1: And welcome to Who Will Save Generation X? The trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I'm Zabe, your host, and today we're going to get back to our next single-player edition of the show we call The Home Game. This alternative format of the show gives you a chance to play at home, with a friend, or by yourself. As well as giving you your fix of Gen X trivia in between regular episodes of the show. I am thrilled to say that this episode, we once again have a live studio audience joining us for the game. The audience is made up of our Patreon supporters and friends of the show. It's an exclusive group that we welcome to join us during the recording of the show. And it is one way that we show our gratitude to those who support the podcast through our Patreon account. We have recently upgraded our benefits that we give out to our Patreon supporters, which include shirts, stickers, mystery box, gifts, and access to being a member of our live studio audience, or even a guest on the show. If you'd like to see all the things we offer to show our gratitude for our supporters, head over to patreon.com and search for us, or just check out the show notes and click our Patreon link on the show notes. We count our blessings for those generous folks out there who support our Patreon account and afford us to not go broke trying to save the fun things of Generation X from going extinct.
0: Didn't ask for a dime. Two
1: dollars. Cash. Thank you. Now here's how we play the home game. Each episode, we invite a special guest and let them set the benchmark score for you to try and beat. Each round has a different game for you to try out. And at the end, you can compare your score with that of our special guest benchmark and earn your rank on the quiz. Our special guest this episode is a friend of the podcast and has the distinction of once winning an Oreo stacking contest when he was 12 years old. Please welcome to the show for the very first time, David Bobko Bobke.
0: Bobo.
1: Hi, Bobbo. Thanks for coming in on the show. Hi. Hi, Z. Hi.
0: Thanks for having me. For anybody who's listening, I'm holding up the very shirt that I won when I did the Oreo contest. It says,
1: what does it say on Beat it? It,
0: uh, it doesn't say anything. You have to read it. But uh, it says, stack them up and win. So to
1: speak. Well, being in audio format, I don't think anyone can read it, but thanks for reading it aloud for us, Babo. I appreciate that. Oh, no problem. So Bobo, say hello to the listeners. Tell them a little bit about yourself. Please include what generation you're from and how you feel about setting the benchmark score for the episode.
0: Certainly. I am David Bobke, also known as Babo, And I am the harbinger of podcasting chaos. You can probably tell that already. Milwaukee born and bred. I am a millennial and I'm well into that. It was better in the old days mode. And fun fact, I still have working VCRs hooked up in two rooms. And uh, you should be happy that I'm setting the bar for you today because like a good game of Limbo, that bar is probably going to be pretty low.
1: (laughs) So listeners, see if you can outscore this Oreo stacking savant or see if you need to go back and refresh your memory of the cool stuff of your youth. The Power Struggle. In the opening of this episode, you heard five quick clips from Generation X. The game is called The Power Struggle. And in this game, you need to name those five clips in the order that they were played. If you get all five correct and in the correct order, then you will be bumped up an entire letter grade and rank at the end of the quiz. Think of it sort of as an extra credit question to help you out with your score. There's no penalty for you if you get it wrong. But if our special guest gets it wrong here on the show, then we are going to open it up to all of you listening to contact the show and see if you can get it correct. All correct entries to contact the podcast via our newsletter will be put into a drawing to win a prize package from the show. So stick around to find out if Bobo can get the Power Struggle question correct or not, and then I'll explain how you can send in your entry to try and win it. Good luck. Uh, Bobo, how are you feeling about that after your first listen?
0: Oh, I'm, I'm feeling feelings. <laughs>
1: Keeping it close to the vest. I got gotcha. you.
0: Let's go with that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, Babo. as Gen Xers, well, you're not a Gen Xer. Let me explain to you then. Us Gen Xers, we have experienced moments in our lives where we just don't want to deal with other people's craps.
0: I identify with
1: that. We're, okay. Well, then you know what I'm talking about. In these moments, we sometimes throw up our hands, roll our eyes and say, whatever. To honor this time love tradition of Generation X, if at some point during this episode that you feel, you know, apathetic about answering a question, you can use your whatever lifeline and appeal the live studio audience we have here tonight and ask them to give you a clue that could help you answer the question. So audience, be ready to give Babo a clue should he ask for it. And we'll see if our audience is truly clueless or not. Whatever. Babo, you only get one whatever lifeline, so make sure you use it wisely. There are a total of 25 points available in this episode. So everyone, please keep track of your score, especially you, live studio audience. And we'll see how well you did versus our special guest benchmark at the end of the episode. Enough talk. So that's enough talking about it. Let's do it. It's time to see if you can save Generation X from fading into oblivion. Round one. Round one is a brand new game we are debuting here tonight. and The game is called The Audience is Listening. In this game, I will play play a piece of music and you need to tell me what specific movie it was featured in. After I play the track, you can choose to ask judges. Thank We good? Thank you. Can we get on the podcast? Can we please? Thank you very much. Let me, let me just back up here. In this game, I'll play a piece of music and you will need to tell me what specific movie it is featured in. After I play the track, you can choose to ask for a clue to help you. But for each clue you ask for, the question will be worth fewer points. For example, if you get it after one clue, then it's worth three points. Two clues is worth two points. And if you need all three clues, it'll be worth only one point. However, if you can get the correct movie title with no clues at all, you will be awarded a bonus whatever lifeline to use during the game. But you only get one of these bonus lifelines during the round. Okay. Do the math. Beautiful mind style. You got it. Okay. Okay. Songs sometimes pop up in several different movies, like the same song we played in different soundtracks. But you need to name this specific movie that we have loaded up that matches the clues, okay? So there'll be no loud arguments here. Okay, let's try this out. So listen up, here is your first piece of music. Tell me what movie that this song is from. Please allow me to introduce myself. Who sings it, but what movie is that featured in? You want a clue?
0: Well, I know it's on the soundtrack to a particular movie. I'm not sure what other movie it could possibly be in, although if it is in another movie, I really want to watch that movie. <laughs> so I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the 1989 Weirdo Yankovic classic UHF. Okay,
1: babo you're locked in for UHF, but let's reveal the clues for the listeners so they can lock in their answer and then we'll see if you're correct or not. For three points, the first clue is This movie was rated PG-13, was released in 1989, and IMDb calls this a sci-fi comedy movie. For two points, clue two is supporting cast include Fran Drescher, David Bowie, and Billy Barty. And finally, the one-point clue is starring roles in this film include Victoria Jackson, Michael Richards, and of course, Weird Al Yankovic. Judges, is UHF correct? That is correct. Well done. You got no clues on that one. So you score a bonus whatever lifeline. So you got two in the bank, Bobo. Well done.
0: Sweet. Nice to have something in the bank for once. <laughs>
1: Here's the fun fact. The movie was a passion project for Weird Al and it had to be made on a shoestring budget. And so they had to cut as many corners as possible to make the movie come to life. The majority of the film was shot in Tulsa, Oklahoma in an abandoned shopping mall serving as the soundstage. Most of the extras were hired for either from Tulsa or nearby Dallas, and some were paid only with KFC and Pizza Hut gift certificates. It's finger looking good. Kentucky Fried Chicken, we can do chicken right. Yeah, it's a three-pointer. Well done, Baba. Start the game off with you. a nice three-pointer. Well done. Yes. But let's see if you know what the second song is. Here we go. What movie is this song featured in?
0: Like, hey, baby, don't
1: you go? I can tell by your hand gestures you know exactly what this is from.
0: Oh, that's that's got to be the Blues Brothers.
1: Okay, you're locked in with the Blues Brothers. Once again, for everyone else listening, here are the clues. For three points, the movie came out in 1980 and is listed as an action comedy adventure. For two points... Supporting cast include James Brown, Steven Spielberg, Frank Oz, Carrie Fisher, Chaka Khan, and Twiggy. And finally, for one point, clue three. Starring roles are John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. If you didn't get it with that last clue, then you've clearly never seen the movie. Judges, is Blues Brothers correct? That is correct. Here's a fun fact for this one. In the movie, John Belushi's character Jake is engaged to be married to Carrie Fisher's character. But it was Dan Aykroyd that was engaged to her in real life. They became engaged after Aykroyd successfully administered the Heimlich maneuver on her. I almost choked on some Brussels sprouts, Fisher told CNN. He saved my life and then he asked me to marry him. And I thought, wow, if this ever happens again, she said, I should probably marry him. Apparently, she stopped choking on Brussels sprouts because the wedding never happened.
0: You miserable slug. You think you can talk your way out of this? You betrayed me. No, I didn't. Honest. I ran out of
1: gas. I had a flat tire. I didn't have enough money for cab fare. My touch didn't come back from the cleaners. An old friend came in from out of town. Someone stole my car. There was an earthquake. A terrible flood. Locust. It wasn't my
0: fault. I swear to God.
1: And here is our last song in the round. Listen closely. What movie is this one from? very classic song could be in several movies. you got to get the one that matches the one we have the clues for.
0: I was doing hand motions for that one, too, so I'm hoping that the movie you have in mind is Wayne's World because that's the only one I can think of with that song.
1: Well, here are the clues, and let's see if your answer of Wayne's World matches up or not. The three-point clue is the movie came out in 1992. For two points, clue two is supporting cast members include Rob Lowe, Alice Cooper, Chris Farley, and Meatloaf. And the one-point clue is starring roles Dana Carvey and Mike Myers. Judges, that is once again correct. Party on, Wink. Party on, Garth. You're three for three on three-pointers. This game, much like several of our other games, are not going the way the judges had anticipated. But congratulations, Bobo. You're dominating the game so far. Nine points as we exit the round. But before we do, let's get a quick fun fact for this one. It was tough to translate the movie's slang-driven dialogue for foreign markets. Sure, right, as if. (laughs) Since most of the dialogue in Wayne's world is made up of obscure American slang, swing, swing. Translating it for foreign markets proved to be a nightmare. In many international versions of the film, there were lines that had virtually no connection to the original. For example, Wayne's line, And monkeys might fly out of my butt! was a response to something unbelievable, was translated into Spanish as, when Judgment Day Comes. I kind of liked it. Not. Kind of loses some of its sting. I thought it wasn't so much a movie as it was an essay of man in society. Although the topic of free will versus determinism is fascinating, I would hardly call it entertainment. Garth? Sucked. Before we start round two, let's take another listen to The Power Struggle. Here we go, Babo.
0: And so the conversation turned Until the sun went down
1: I do. It does a body good. Pass
0: it on. We do not follow maps to buried treasure, and X never, ever marks the spot.
1: Round two. Round two of this episode is our trivia round. Each complete correct answer is worth two points. If you think you could convince the judges into giving you a partial credit for your answer, you can award yourself one pity point for your partial correct response. We will mock you endlessly, but you'll still get a point. We'll use the honor system here. Good luck. Your first question is entitled, Two Corpses. Everything's fine. It is a movie question. When Clue was released in theaters in 1985, it initially received mixed reviews. The three-ending gimmick that was intended to give audiences a reason to go see it multiple times in theaters failed to produce the results that they wanted, and the movie ultimately did poorly at the box office. But these things don't matter in the face of cult followings, which this dark comedy absolutely has. It's all-star cast headed by the phenomenal Tim Curry produced one of the great cult classics of Generation X. Showings of the movie now usually show all three endings sequentially at the end. In each of these endings, Tim Curry's character is someone different. In the first ending, he is who he says he is, the butler Wadsworth. In the second ending, he is an undercover FBI agent who was sent to investigate one of the guests. But who was he in the third ending? This is a multiple choice. Is it A? Mr. Body, the mysterious host who is blackmailing all of the guests? Is it B, Mr. Green's secret lover who is tired of being kept a secret? C, Mrs. White's ex-husband back from the dead to seek revenge? Or is he D, a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania?
0: Well, I was going to say option B, I think, was when they did the Clue Rocky Horror Crossover, but Mm -hmm. um, it's been a while since I've seen that one. I believe the third ending, he revealed himself to be Mr. Body, and Mr. Body was supposed to be his butler.
1: All of that is correct. Well done, Bobbo. A is the correct answer, Mr. Body. Here's the fun fact. Did you know that Carrie Fisher was originally supposed to play Miss Scarlet? Everything was set, but when Fisher underwent rehab treatment and so she was replaced with Leslie and Warren, and while Warren absolutely delivered as the shameless madam in the underground Washington, D.C. brothel, man, it would have been sweet to see Princess Leia in that role.
0: One of my favorite casts, I think, in a movie is just everybody is so phenomenally awesome.
1: Right. First time I've seen Michael McKeon as, as a playing a role outside of Lenny from Lenny and Squiggy. That's the first time I could ever remember that. And I remember seeing him like, that's Lenny. Like, what is he doing? He's like a normal guy. He's not, you know, challenged it's gotta be a little
0: little bit jarring when you make that kind of a leap from right. that character to yeah yeah
1: yeah it threw me for sure but i love that movie i saw it a million times
0: all right we're done it oh, you know. I'm I'm right they all did it but if you want to know who killed mr body i did in the hall with the revolver okay chief take him away i'm gonna go home and sleep with my wife
1: The next question is called Take Off You Hoser, which is a movie question. When Dave Thomas and Rick Moranis came up with the characters Bob and Doug McKenzie for SCTV, it was almost in malicious compliance over the network's rule that there must be at least two minutes of identifiably Canadian content on the sketch show. Intending their Great White North sketch to be a throwaway filler, Bob and Doug became two of the most popular and identifiable characters on the show, and they spun the sketch off into the cult comedy movie. Strange Brew. Brew. The movie kicks off when two brothers find themselves giving away their beer money to refund a couple of distraught kids who came to see their poorly made movie in the very beginning, if you remember. Determined to still get that beer, the brothers attempt to con the local beer store. How did they do this? This is also a multiple choice. Is it A, they impersonate the managers of Elsinore Breweries? Is it B, they place a live mouse in an empty beer bottle and lodge a complaint? Is it C, they try to bribe the clerk with a jelly donut? It's a jelly. Or is it D, they wear ski masks with a Canadian flag on them, ran through the storefront on the back of a moose, and threaten the store owner with the hockey sticks and maple syrup screaming, think we can have a beer, eh?
0: I think the Canadian Defamation League is going to be in touch with you about that fourth option, but that would be, uh, the correct one was, I believe, B, the mouse in the beer bottle. That is correct. We found this
1: mouse in a bottle of Elsinore beer that we bought at your beer store, eh? And we heard, like, when that happens that uh, you get your beer free. It's in the Canadian criminal code, eh? Like, there's legal precedent setting cases in law. So, like, uh, give us our free beer. If there is ever a Defamation League out there in the world that I'm least afraid of, it's got to be the Canadian Defamation League. What are they going to do?
0: They're going to make you apologize. I <laughs> well,
1: see. I probably would. <laughs> Here's the fun fact. When Thomas and Moranis wrote the screenplay for Strange Brew, they wrote the character of Brewmeister Smith with legendary stage and screen actor Max von Sindau in mind. But immediately wrote him off as a, just an impossibility. However, due to some lucky connections, the team was able to get the script to Sindao, who was unsure if he should accept the role. But when he asked his son for advice, he enthusiastically encouraged Sindao to accept, as he was a huge SCTV fan. So thank you, Max Sindao's son, for making that happen, because he was great in that.
0: I could crush your head. But in but I won't because i need you.
1: okay the next question is called he's got a couple talking fish and the genie who will grant a wish paul rubens iconic character peewee herman began as a character that he played on stage then on screen first as a special on hbo and then in peewee herman's big adventure <laughs> after the success of the feature-length film rubens was approached to do a children's series and eventually peewee's playhouse came to be It ended up being similar to his HBO and stage shows, with a lot of the same characters and actors, but with a less adult-themed humor. Here's the question. Who briefly reprised his role as Captain Carl on Pee-wee's Playhouse before joining the cast of Saturday Night Live in 1986? Here's the multiple choice. Is it A, John Lovitz? B, Dennis Miller? C, Dana Carvey? D, Phil Hartman? Or is it E? Cherry.
0: I was about to say, is E going to be sixty-nine? Because that wasn't the number of question. Um, oh, I love drops like that. Anyway, <laughs> Captain Carl was played by the great, late, unfortunately, Phil Hartman. May he rest in peace. That
1: is correct on all counts. Phil Hartman was a just a genius. He is definitely missed. He had so much more to give this world. I think.
0: Oh, definitely, definitely. And uh, I, w- I was kind of getting a little wishy-washy on the less adult-themed c- TV show, because the uh, last time I watched an episode of that, I'm not sure if you want me to say what I what joke came up, but i um, probably going to edit this out later. Man, okay, we'll save Generation X after hours. They were playing Airplane or Airport or something, not related to the movie uh, at all. And so Pee-Wee was the pilot, and Miss Yvonne was the uh, flight attendant. And she was asking everybody who was sitting there on the flight if they would like magazine. And there was like, I think Terry maybe was first and he asked for something. So she gives him the magazine and then she goes over to like Billy Bologna. And he says he'll take one and he takes one. And Conky asks for, he asks if she has a copy of Play Robot. (laughs) And she not only has a copy of Play Robot that she hands over, but she winks at him. And our parents let us watch this, so there you go. Oh yeah,
1: I remember watching the stage show and the HBO special, and it being you know more of a risque humor. And then I saw that they're going to have it as a kids show, and I turned it on. I flipped it on like Saturday morning. I'm like, what in the world, really? Like during this kind of hour, like they're having this kind of show. But it was it was much more tame.
0: Permission to come aboard, Pee Wee. You have to know the password. Spaghetti. You know? Sardine! No. Turnip?
1: It's no. toboggan Last week! Well, I give up! You can't give up. You have to know the password. Open this door, Pee Wee. I gotta use your latrine. Latrine, that's the password! <laughs> <laughs> Here's the next question. It's called Strap. God wants you on the floor. Which is a movie question as well. A lot of movie questions this episode. The writer and director team of Angelo S- S- Spizzo and David Astro understood how to make an American sports movie, first with Hoosiers, and then seven years later with Rudy. Both movies became instant classics of the genre. Hoosiers is the story of a small town high school basketball team in 1954. The movie follows the redemption arc of disgraced coach Norman Dale, who has been given a job at a high school in Hickory, Indiana, by his childhood friend. Although clashing with the players and the residents of Hickory, Dale is able to take the underdog team all the way to Indiana State Championship where they become the unlikely winners. Spoiler alert. In the iconic scene early in the movie, Dale is drilling the players and instructing them to pass before attempting to shoot. How many times does Dale want the team to pass before shooting? Is it A, 3, B, 4, C, 5? Or is it D,
0: 69. 69, dude. Boy, that would have been a long movie if it was D. Um, I mean, this is 1954. If you watch
1: old basketball films, man, that's all they did is pass the ball.
0: That's true. No shot clock, man. Yeah. Rough times. So, yeah, I I do have a memory of Gene Hackman yelling four. So I'm going to go with four as my answer.
1: Gene Hackman yells a lot of things. But in this case, four is the correct thing he yelled. Four. Well done.
0: Thank you. That was a four letter word that we can say that Gene Hackman is a movie.
1: <laughs> I love Hoosiers. That is such great. I saw it recently. It it holds up, I think. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a big basketball fan, so it, it really uh, hits all the right notes with me.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge basketball guy personally, but it's, it's I still think that's a great movie. And I think yep. that's really a testament of great sports movies is when they hold up even when you don't really care about the sport in questions like Rocky. You don't have to like boxing necessarily. It's just a great movie about heart and triumph and Sylvester Stallone. Whatever. <laughs> well said.
1: Here's the fun yes. fact on Hoosiers. According to director David Auxler, huh? Gene Hackman, who played coach Dale made filming, shall we say a little tough. Four! Hackman seemed convinced that the movie was going to be subpar, even career ending. And he was open about how he felt about it. He even tried to get the director fired at one point, he insisted on seeing a rough cut of the final movie before agreeing to do his work in post. After seeing the rough cut, however, Hackman simply asked us, how did you do that? And he just fell in love with the movie after that. It's all in the editing, folks. And <laughs> yeah,
0: we know that very well from this show, don't we? <laughs> yeah, Absolutely.
1: Okay, here is the last question in the round. It's called, you remind me of the babe. It is surprise, surprise. Another movie question. The story of Labyrinth follows Sarah, a smoking hot teenage girl who often looks to her childhood world. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. The story (laughs) of Labyrinth follows Sarah, a teenage girl who often looks to her childhood worlds of fantasy to escape her frustrations of her day-to-day life. Angry words lead to the capture of her infant half-brother, Toby, by Jareth, the king of the goblins, who gives her 13 hours to save him. As she makes her way through the mysterious labyrinth that surrounds Jareth's castle, Sarah makes friends with strange creatures that live there and learns that the fantasy she used to escape life's responsibilities can actually be her strength in facing them. Also remember, Davy Bowie's pants in that movie, right? Right? No? Me? Guys?
0: Of course, they pretended not to notice our (laughs) bulges. Oh no, I'm I'm with you. this thing on?
1: That got its own
0: credit at the end of the
1: movie. (laughs) Let's move on. When Jareth intercepts Hoggle, Sarah's first friend in the labyrinth, he threatens and belittles him and then instructs him to betray Sarah by giving her an enchanted piece of fruit. What kind of fruit did Jareth tell Hoggle to give to Sarah? This is also a multiple choice. Is it A, an apple? B, a pear? C, a peach? Or is it D, a pineapple? You're going to get your first wrong answer, Bobo?
0: I'm contemplating. I think it was an apple. I'm trying to think if there's any reason that I should be thinking it wasn't an apple. I'm going to go with apple. Apple
1: is incorrect. Baba, you had a great streak going, but that one is incorrect. I did. Oh, you really should have used your whatever lifeline. Don't forget you have that to use. Well, we got uh, another round yet to play. So make sure you use the whatever lifeline or else the show falls apart. Oh, yes. (laughs) c peach is the correct answer a peach peach is the correct answer for that one
0: that would have been my fifth guess
1: yes oh this is a family show and i got a 12 year old watching right now i can't say the joke i want to say right now
0: yeah. you coward!
1: Uh, the creative team behind this movie is kind of mind-boggling if you think about it creator and director was jim henson worked with his good friend george lucas who served as executive producer. Terry Jones of Monty Python wrote the screenplay. And David Bowie starred in the movie and wrote a lot of the music himself, along with Trevor Jones. Also, Gates McFadden of Star Trek The Next Generation did the choreography credited as Cheryl McFadden. Yes, an enchanted peach was the correct answer for this question, but it might also be the answer to what was causing that bulge in the Goblin King's pants in in the movie. It could have been worse. Could have stored his enchanted banana down there.
0: That was a joke you couldn't say in front of your 12 year old, but that one passed.
1: That one made it. Okay. Judges? Damn it. I mean, it's a banana, right? Nothing wrong with a banana. He stores them elsewhere, right? There's nothing. I'm not saying he puts bananas down his pants. I'm saying he doesn't put bananas down his pants. He stores them in a separate enchanted banana enclosure. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, quickly. Much
0: better.
1: Yes, thank you. Woo. Dodge that one. Okay, we're going to take another listen to the Power Struggle clip before we start round three. But before we do that, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor.
0: You can't do that on television. We'll return after these messages.
1: If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider giving us a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from, and subscribing for future episodes. The only way a show like this gets anywhere in the podcasting world is by positive reviews and word of mouth amongst friends. So if you're inclined, please help spread the word about the podcast and share it with that special Gen Xer in your life. We'd love to have you as a friend of the show. Thanks so much.
0: Now back to You Can't Do That on Television. The Power Struggle. And so the conversation turned until the sun went down.
1: You do. I don't. You do. do. I don't. You don't. I do. You don't. I do. It does a body good. Ta-da!
0: We do not follow maps to buried treasure, and X never, ever marks the spot.
1: Round three. Round three today is a game called Taglines Blowing Through My Mind. Tag. In this game, I will give you the tagline or slogan for a popular Gen X movie, and you need to tell me what the title of that movie is. A good tagline should give you some insight to what the movie's about, and that should give you the hints you need to name the flick. We'll do one movie from the seventies, one from the eighties, and one from the nineties. Each correct answer is worth two points. Before we go with that, let's get a scoring update from Robin. Robin, what do you got for us?
0: We've got a total for Babo, seventeen points, and two lifelines, whatever lifelines.
1: Okay. That's an impressive score, Babo. The bar is set very high so far. But let's see how you do in this last game. Movie one, the first tagline is for a movie from 1987. This biography comedy drama was rated R and had a supporting cast that included Bruno Kirby, Forrest Whitaker, and Tom T. Tran. The tagline is, time to rock it from the Delta to the DMZ. Uh, Can you repeat the supporting cast, please? No, I don't think I will. No. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. (laughs) Of course I will. Of course. Bruno Kirby. Boris Whitaker and Tom T. Tran.
0: Good morning, Vietnam.
1: Good morning, Vietnam is... Absolutely correct. Well done, Bobo. You pulled that
0: out. Yeah, I was thinking Bruno Kirby from This Is Spinal Tap, (laughs) and that just totally led me down the wrong path there. Yeah.
1: Good morning, Vietnam, starring Robin Williams, of course, is the right answer. Well done. Here's the fun fact. The film was mostly shot in Bangkok, Thailand. And it had a lot of extras that were used in multiple shots as a courtesy to them Robin Williams put on a special stand-up show to thank them for their time there was no cameras no tickets sold just Robin being a good dude to a bunch of people in Bangkok
0: <laughs> The next tagline
1: is from a movie from 1977 this comedy romance film was rated PG and had a supporting cast that included Shelley Duvall Carol Kane Paul Simon and Christopher Walken, the tagline is a nervous romance. What movie had the tagline of a nervous
0: romance? 77. I think that's got to be Annie Hall.
1: Okay. So Bobo, I don't want to be a cheater here, but I just want to remind you that you have whatever lifelines. I absolutely don't want to cheat, but I wanted just to remind you we are your friend of the show. So we're friends, friend to sure. friend. You could change your answer right now and do whatever lifeline, if you wanted to. No pressure, or you can stick with Annie Hall. Which would you like to do? Remember, there is a twelve-year-old who might know what movie from nineteen seventy-seven. Just to remind you,
0: right? He's he's motioning like he definitely knows it. So, uh, but let's. Uh, hmm, I'm gonna it's up go. To you. No pressure. Don't let me influence yeah, no, you at all. No pressure. None whatsoever. You're not. You're not the one who's not even hosting bit. the show. Where I think when Trish was on, and they did the four people with Williams for last names, and then you threw the fifth one that wasn't a Williams and. Just oh, that's something I would have done. Um, I'm I'm pr- I'm I'm going to stick with Annie Hall.
1: Sticking with Annie Hall. Well, I'm afraid that's absolutely correct, and you didn't fall for my trap. Damn it! <laughs> well done,
0: Bobbo. I tell you, I've written trivia before, and I know how your mind thinks, Zabe. <laughs>
1: um, I'll I... tell you what. He got me. He got me again. I was like, no,
0: don't do it. Zabe <laughs> is a harbinger of podcasting chaos too. Here's the fun fact.
1: The movie went through many incarnations and changes before it was made. The title of the movie alone had many rewrites after a few regrettable title suggestions like Anxiety and Alvy and Me, A Roller Coaster Named Desire, It Had to Be Jew, and Me and My Goy. The movie wound up inheriting the name of its protagonist, Annie Hall, a character named after the actress who portrayed her. Diane Keaton's birth name was Diane Hall, but she went by Annie. That's just a fun fact.
0: That fun fact was a very Kafka-esque experience.
1: Okay, here is the final question to whatever lifelines waiting for, for this. If you miss this one, I'd be really surprised. You have everything going for you. I'm building the suspense of the podcast right now. Don't get this one wrong. Movie three is the final tagline of the round. It's from 1995. It was rated PG-13. It was labeled a comedy movie by IMDb. I don't know if that helps you or not. Supporting cast members include Larry Hankin, Norm Macdonald, and Chris Farley. The tagline is, a comedy about an overwhelming underachiever. A comedy by an overwhelming
0: underachiever. Everyone in the audience looks so anxious to help me out on this one. Are you going to use your one uh, Lifeline? You know, I've got two. I may as well have the experience of using one. So um, just to see what it's like. So I am going to go to the audience and use my whatever. Whatever.
1: In the audience, we have Robin, our producer of the show, who writes a lot of these questions. She did not write this one, however. We have Paul. We have Trish the Dish. We have Suzanne, two undefeated champions in the audience as well. We have Tyler, and we have Donovan overseeing Tommy's box here on the Zoom call. So you have all those people to choose from, many big names on the podcast,
0: if there is such a thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Who are you going to go with, Bobbo? You know, uh, Suzanne's obviously a very wise person, not that anybody else here isn't. But we know uh, Suzanne is is very, very wise and clearly a person to suck up to if I want to defeat you at this. So I, I would go- like to go with her.
1: Okay, Suzanne, you need to give Bobbo a clue to what you think the answer is.
0: So, Babo, just a question. Are you using your lifeline? And it's sort of like that episode of the very first millionaire who won, who wants to be a millionaire or whatever that show was. I
1: don't know. I did watch that one episode. And on his very last question, just before he won a million dollars, he actually used his lifeline, which he still had many of, to call somebody and say, Hey, I'm just using this to call you and say I'm going to win a million dollars right when I give this correct answer and he didn't actually need
0: the answer. Is is that the situation that we're in right now? Uh almost. Okay. <laughs> I'm like so I'm like really... that far away, but I'm not quite at the million dollars like Okay. I, I, how do I give a clue without giving it away? That's is there the anyone
1: else you'd like to ask for a clue? Uh <laughs>
0: I, I was kind of wondering if a city in Wisconsin would be related somehow
1: Veronica Vaughn want to touch the hiney.
0: <laughs> Dan Veronica Vaughn I, I I was pretty sure that the movie in question was Billy Madison but I had to make sure my official answer is zadar the cow from hell no it's Billy Madison
1: Billy Madison absolutely is correct well done Bobo you dominated this game listeners the bar is set so high you have to get a perfect score in order to beat Bobbo. Here's the a, here's a fun fact. In the film, Billy plays a game of dodgeball with the kids in his class, a horribly mismatched game given that Billy's a full-grown man. He takes great pleasure in hitting the kids with the ball, and reportedly he wasn't faking it. The actor actually threw the ball as hard as he could, and cries of ouch that you hear in the scene are actual reactions from the child actors, many of whom went home crying after the scene was filmed causing the director to have to cut away from their faces so it wouldn't show the finished product. Sanders seems like a nice guy, though, and I'm sure he made it up to those kids. But for a while, I guess O'Doyle wasn't the only bully on the playground.
0: You're out! O'Doyle rules!
1: O'Doyle rules! We'll take one last listen to the Power Struggle question and then get your answer, Bobo. Here's your last listen. Listen closely.
0: And so the conversation turned... Until the sun went down.
1: You do. I don't. You do. I don't. You don't. I do. You don't. I do. It does a body good.
0: Pass it on. We do not follow maps to buried treasure and X never, ever marks the spot.
1: Okay, Babo. what is your final answer for the power struggle question in this episode? Remember, you still have a whatever lifeline, and you could use it for one individual clip, should you choose.
0: thing is, there's a couple I'm not really sure on go if with. If only
1: there was a device in the podcast that which you could draw upon if you're unsure of an answer.
0: Only well, I hadn't been encouraged to use it last <laughs> round uh let's see i i'm gonna go with um you know item number four i i actually have no real idea what that one is let's see Who maybe the kid is gonna pass out if you don't pick him oh 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 oh, oh i didn't oh God, you know i didn't even see him uh i'm gonna go with the uh, with the donovan mcgrath window there on my screen
1: okay you have chosen the tag team of donnie and tommy
0: Hello. I'm drinking. Hello. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you have to give him a clue to see if you're clueless or not, Tommy, on drop number Five. four.
0: Uh, no, no, no. I know what my clue would be. The person that was talking hates snakes, just hates him. Okay. So, greatest fear, snakes. <laughs> <laughs> Can I emphasize how much he hates snakes? So, it's really leading into the end. <laughs>
1: So what you're saying, Tommy, is he, he hates, hates snakes. Him. That's that's, that's the takeaway we get from this. <laughs> the person speaking has okay, a fine, less you know, than favorable opinion of snakes. <laughs> okay, Tommy, thank you for that whatever lifeline clue. Bobo one through five, let's fire him off. What do you got?
0: Well unfortunately I'm also not sure where I remember number one from because that sounds familiar <laughs> and I cannot for the life of me think from where. So I I'm going to say for number one, I don't know, but not the kind of I don't know that I am not certain of what the answer is. My guess is I don't know, which is a Nirvana cover band based in Tacoma, Washington. I which, wanted to
1: slime you so bad.
0: Yeah, but no, <laughs> it, definite real thing, definite real thing I didn't make up for this show.
1: Okay. Um, a hidden shout out there if I've ever heard one, but go ahead.
0: Number two, somebody form a band quick. Number two is uh from Who Franked Roger Rabbit. Number three, I'm pretty sure is from a milk ad. I'm oh man, everybody's gonna get on me for this because I don't know number four still. <laughs> I'm pretty sure number four is on the list of movies that I sent to Zabe that I may not have seen. So I'm gonna, I'm just going to guess the Goonies on number four and watch the audience completely lose their minds. And oh, they're <laughs> not disappointing me. They are going nuts. So, <laughs> and number five is, uh, I'm going to say Transformers.
1: Judges, did Bobo get all five? Did we finally get a contestant to get all five? <laughs> I'm sorry, Bobo. That is not the correct five we were looking for, although it's a very good effort. I think so. I think so. So what you're saying is you got a near perfect score in the regular games, but when you get to the last one, everyone in the audience knew the answer to number four, but you. Is that what just happened? Pretty much. Okay. All right.
0: I'm pretty sure everybody else on the planet knew that one, and I'm just oblivious to it.
1: Well, Baba, only missing one in the regular game, you got nothing to prove to anybody. You did a great job in this episode. Dominant performance. Well done.
0: Thank you, thank you.
1: But since you got the power struggle question incorrect, that means we turn this over to the listeners to see if they can get it correct and claim that prize package to enter for a chance to claim that generous prize package you can join our newsletter and there will be a place there for you to send in your answers to the question all correct entries will be put into a quarterly drawing to win the prize package since this is the podcast and there is a delay from the point in which it's downloaded to where people actually listen to the show we decided it'd be best to wait and give more people time to play and send in their entries. So for this quarter, we have a, a single prize package to combine for several entries and give more chance for people to win. Details on how to join the newsletter can be found in the show notes for this episode, or you can contact the show directly at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. And I promise to write you back and give you all the details you could ever hope for. Good luck, everybody. Bobo, first, thank you so much for lending your time and talents to the podcast. Did you have a good time on the show today?
0: Absolutely. I'm surprised as I did as well as I did.
1: I'm not terribly surprised. Only missing one is a bit of a surprise, but you did great. Bubba, do you have a message to those listening that you beat here today? Let's hear this one. Uh,
0: you know, I was going to say, if you didn't reach my score, I don't trust you to sit the right way on a toilet seat. But uh, I I did better than I thought, so I'm not going to say that.
1: I'm glad you didn't um, just say that. Well done.
0: No, I I definitely I would not say that. No, <laughs> but I, I'm sure you gave it your best effort, and that's what really counts, and uh et cetera. Okay. I have nothing inspirational.
1: Is there anything you'd like to plug or any shout-outs you'd like to give besides the Nirvana cover band?
0: I I don't currently have any podcasts. I'm hoping to have one where I'm reviewing short films with friends of mine uh, sometime soon-ish, maybe. Right now, you can only find me on occasional episodes of the Retro Rewind podcast with our friends Francisco and Paul. Uh, I'm in like five episodes out of 200 and something, so it's a little bit of a needle in a haystack, but you'll find me. If I'm doing shout-outs real quick, I wanted to shout out, of course, Francisco going to pauljpowers.com halljpowers.com. Oh, 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 but uh, also shout out to Steve and Megan from Stop Ruining My Childhood because they're the reason that I learned about this show. Oh, very nice. Shout out <laughs> to yeah, them.
1: We've had them both on this uh, podcast. I was on the Retro Rewind podcast. It's a great show. I look forward to going back and checking out your episodes, Bobo. Thanks, Bobo. Appreciate
0: you. I appreciate being appreciated.
1: If you're playing against our special guests and scored less than Robin? 23. Then you let this Oreo stacking champ beat you and you may want to go back and brush up on the memories of your youth. Is there a story about that Oreo stacking thing. I keep mentioning it, but we haven't really talked about it.
0: I, you know, I walked into a pick and save with my mom and right by the door there, there was a table and a lady and just a little, a little sign there or something. And I wound up getting 20 stacked up in 30 seconds, which is harder than you think, especially when you're 12. And uh, and hungry for Oreos, too. You weren't allowed to eat them.
1: The interesting part of that story is it was just some random lady standing in pick and save at the table. She had no nothing to do with the store or there was no really contest. She just said, hey, boy, come over here and start stacking Oreos. Is that how that worked? Yeah, she
0: was, she was wearing a lot of burlap. I thought that was kind of weird, but, you know, yeah.
1: A lot of burlap or only burlap?
0: I didn't check. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure I would want to know.
1: All right, moving on. Let's go to the ranks. This episode, we are using the Robin Williams Career Anthology Scoring System for grading the quiz. It's been said that they will never make a movie about the life of Robin Williams because they could never find an actor who could play him. Robin Williams was an entertainer that took on many different styles and mediums in show business, so we took a selection of the many ways he made us laugh, cry, and enjoy his great talent. Let's go to the ranks. A score of 23 to 25 points is the grade of an A and earns you the rank of Dead Poets Society. Often referred to as Robin Williams' best movie of the 80s, if not his career, Williams' work as English teacher John Keating in Dead Poets Society was a performance that combines the actor's fast-on-his-feet imaginative delivery with a solidly grounded emotional performance as a teacher who cares more about his students than the school politics. As far as inspirational movies go, Dead Poets Society is pretty much the gold standard in Williams' career.
0: Medicine, law, business, engineering... These are noble pursuits and necessary to sustain life. But poetry, beauty, romance, love, these are what we stay alive for.
1: And for this, oh, Captain, my Captain, you get an A. Congrats. You're doing your part to save Generation X. Well done. That's your rank, Babo.
0: Yay. That's a great movie, too.
1: (laughs) It's a great movie. It's one of my favorites. A score of 20 to 22 points is enough for a B and the rank of Mork before Robin Williams was a movie star. For most of us, he was brought to our collective Gen X experience on the TV show Happy Days as Mork for Mork and later in the spin-off show Mork and Mindy. Mork was an eccentric alien from the planet Ork who was sent to Earth to learn about primitive civilizations. Every episode ended with Mork learning more about what it was to be human and in turn gave us watching a life lesson for us to think about and grow to be better humans ourselves.
0: Mork calling Orson. Come in, Orson.
1: You never guessed what I learned. You'll never guess. Go on, take one guess. Too late. Okay, I'll tell you. I learned that I'm okay. I'm not as bad as I thought I was.
0: You know, Mork, I think you're beginning to grow. Well, sir, I don't know how much value I have in this universe, but I do know that I made a few people happier than they would have been without me. And As long as I know that, I'm as rich as I ever need to be. So I'll catch you on the rebound, your magnitude. Until next week.
1: And for this, we think that's a solid B. A score of 18 to 19 points is enough for a C, and that gives you the rank of Robin Williams *A Night at the Met. This was probably his best-known stand-up comedy album. The show is a mix of Williams' quick-witted humor and voice work with rants on topics such as drugs, sex, and world affairs, and parenting. It's a real-time capsule for current events of the 80s. It's worth going back and taking a visit on that one.
0: Because you're sucked into drinking beer
1: by believing it's a healthy thing. All these beer commercials usually show
0: big men, manly men doing manly things. You've just killed a small animal. It's time for a light beer. Why not have a realistic beer commercial? What's the realistic thing about beer? Where you go, it's five o'clock in the morning. You've just pissed on a dumpster. It's Miller time.
1: Williams made a bigger impact with his movies and TV. And for that alone, we have to rank his stand-up as a C on the quiz. A score of 15, 17 points is enough for a D. And that can only be the music video for Bobby McFerrin's song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Back in 1988, jazz vocalist Bobby McFerrin scored a truly oddball one-hit wonder based on his unique body-thrumming vocalizations called Don't Worry Be Happy. The video, made 10 years before Williams became an Oscar winner, was in heavy rotation on MTV, and it features Williams goofing alongside comedian Bill Irwin, wearing a house dress, Hawaiian shirts, and cheesy suits doing silly walks and dances. Everything about this video was just freaking weird, and at the time, the overplayed song got really annoying to the point of bringing distress. Instead of removing it as it was intended, the only reason it's not a failure is seeing Robin Williams in a now bittersweet moment, staring straight into the camera and breaking into a warm, heart-melting smile. It saves it from being an F, but for making listeners wanting to turn to violence when hearing the song about chilling out, uh, we have to give this a D here. Finally, if you scored 14 points or less, well, that's a failing grade, I'm afraid. And here's your rank. So, in 1975, there was a movie called If You Don't Stop It, You'll Go Blind. Gene Siskel gave this film zero stars out of four and called it a sleazy, unfanny sex comedy, admitting that he walked out after 30 <laughs> minutes. If you're like most people in the world, you've never heard of this movie, but turns out they made a sequel to If You Don't Stop, You'll Go Blind. It's called Can I Do It Till I Need Glasses? No to me, no to me, no notch, not no to sign them all. It turns out that this was Robin Williams' first time ever in a movie. Kind of. By its title, you might think it's a uh, Party at Kitty and Studs situation. But no, it was a raunchy, fast-paced collection of comedy sketches slung together as a movie. What did the makers of this movie do with Robin Williams for their fast-paced comedy in 1977? Well, they paid him 150 bucks and then cut him out of the movie entirely. The movie failed to turn a profit on its initial release, but after Williams became a star on a hit TV show, Morgan Mindy, producers sorted through the deleted footage and found the Robin Williams scenes and then edited them back into the movie and re-released the film with Williams being given top billing to capitalize on his new success. Williams took legal action against the film distributor for false and misleading advertising, and they agreed to modify the ad so they would no longer imply that Williams was the star of the film. So for leaving Robin Williams on the cutting room floor of your comedy film is an epic failure, and so is this grade of an F for not getting more than 14 points on this quiz. Please try again next episode of The Home Game. See if you can't get a passing grade. Once again, I'd like to give a shout out to our special guest, Bobo. Oh as well as our live studio audience for being on this episode after the show we're going to play some additional trivia games with the audience and that will be available to our listeners as bonus content for our Patreon supporters only speaking of patreon i have a shout out to give special shout out to our new patron supporter darren you joined us at the family feud tier thank you so much for your generous support for the show and for doing your part to save generation x darren this sound clip is in your honor and we hope it's one that you especially like
0: especially like it was good jokes it was good jokes you're a dead man valentine
1: we hope you've enjoyed playing along this episode of the home game, and we'll post your score on our Facebook group page. If you're interested in supporting the show, we have a Patreon account set up for those who'd like to take advantage of the special offers we give out for becoming a Patreon subscriber. However, if you just want to send some appreciation for what we're trying to do here, we also offer our Venmo account. You can send that to Who Will Save Gen X. Detailed information is available in the show notes for both of these ways to send some love to the show. If you have any questions, comments, or shout outs, or would like to become a guest on the show, you can email me at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback and invite you to become a friend of the show. Well, that's it for this edition of the Home Game. Thanks so much for all of you for listening wherever you are. We'll be back with our regular version of the podcast in the next episode, where we will once again ask the question, who will save Generation X? Later.
0: This program is intended for mature audiences. Parental discretion is advised. There's, there's a lot of subtleties going on in that. He is supposed to be um, a young girl's dream of a pop star. Um, we got in a lot of trouble you know, about maybe how tight his pants were, but that was that was deliberate. That was deliberate. That was deliberate. Really need a pair of pants. What? Pants. A pants. with a crotch. Crotch. With a cop piece. What piece? Card piece? piece. Say what? Showing off, off my dick. I saw a baby with his mommy.